everybody. Um, we were at the at a venue in Nottingham for the Resistance Festival, the Festival of Resistance last weekend. And I've come away with a really bad cough and cold. Um, Sean has gone on holiday and Chris is taking a much needed break. So, <coughs> excuse me, we're going to be catching up today with uh, Chris Jones from XR Scientists, that's Ext Extinction Rebellion Scientists, and Steve Gower from Insulate Britain, because we didn't get much time at the festival to interview them properly. So, and I, they're both subjects that I'm really interested in. Extinction Rebellion started here in Stroud and where I live, and I'm really interested in these subjects. And I think the general public are under a misapprehension about their intents and purposes behind the actions that, that they both pursue. So I'd like to start talking to Chris, please. Uh, but uh, first of all, um, we'd like to show a video. Hi, Chris. MPs are answering people who are writing to them and saying that the UK government is doing enough to reach its own targets, net zero in 2050. But is that really the case? The Committee on Climate Change, so the government's official own watchdog for how it is doing on climate change in its latest report highlighted that the government and that the current policies that the government is implementing is not enough to reach the goals and the carbon budgets that the government has set itself. Now, these carbon budgets were even not yet in line with the more stringent long-term goal that it, at, that it has set itself, the net zero 20 greenhouse gas goal uh, in 2050. So it is absolutely clear that at present, uh, government sources themselves, the Committee on Climate Change themselves, highlights that the government is not doing enough to reach its own goals. Right, Chris. So we've, we've shown this video of the scientists talking, giving us some data about, um, about the XR scientists. And I particularly wanted to talk to you about how you felt that, why did you get involved with the Festival of Resistance? Because I wanted you to be involved we all wanted you to be involved because if we don't work together across political spectrums, across all spectrum class spectrums, if we don't work together, we're not going to beat this climate problem that we're facing. So why did you accept our invitation? Absolutely. Um, so so for me, I've, I've spent the last sort of two years wrangling with the, the most effective ways of um, helping play my part in dealing with the climate crisis. Um, as someone that spent many, many years teaching science in the classroom and trying to deal with misconceptions, uh, for me, um, you know, it was it was a, um, a a brilliant sort of starter uh, opportunity to promote the the, the message uh, that you know we are in a process of ecocide and ultimately every every great collaborative um, action such as joining joining resist fest um, really gives the the message more more voice and and, and effectively a level of communication 
So, mm. so yeah, the, 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 the being, being able to be involved with it has, has been a fantastic opportunity. And also, I think it's really, really important that we keep pushing this message that that what we're doing needs to change. And ultimately, I, I hope that the COP26 conference that's coming up soon is going to be another really, really important um, step in our in our journey as well. Well, you, you say that, you see, for me, I'm, I'm rather cynical. And I think that the COP26 is just more greenwash. Um, but it does provide us with an opportunity as activists to go along to COP26 or even, uh, I mean, COP26 Bristol, the uh, trade unions are, <coughs> sorry, creating a union block which are doing a, a separate event at the same time in Bristol. Jeremy Corbyn is going up to Glasgow to do an alternative COP26 uh, meeting outside of COP26. Um, DM25, right. which is a, a European, um, Yanis, I can't remember, Yarifakis, is the Greek, he was the Greek finance minister, I believe. I hope I've got that right. Apologies if I haven't, Yanis. Um, he's doing an alternative COP26 as well in Glasgow, or at least on Zoom. Uh, Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, has decided that he won't go to the COP26. He's going to Zoom in. And a lot of other participants that wouldn't ordinarily be able to take part, hopefully they'll be able to take part because they'll be able to zoom in as well. So they won't have to make those treacherous journeys. They And they can show what it's actually like in their own country because we're quite cosseted here, aren't we, in the UK? We don't mm -hmm. see a huge amount of climate change. We, we did see London um, flooding for the first time ever, I believe, with such severity anyway. So uh, people are, and, uh, and we see videos from around the world but of course that's once removed it's not actually affecting us personally mm. is it? The, the, so the biggest the biggest worry from from my perspective is that that where we are we're actually in a in a very similar line to russia and and, and they are very very snow covered and we are protected by the warm water that that flows up towards britain and you know when you know Global warming will potentially disrupt that and and make Britain significantly colder and icier. So, all that, which for some people will will seem like a, an unusual concept, but we may get colder as a country, not warmer, as a result of global warming. You know, um, so that that's a really really critical kind of thing that we we need to be aware of is that some of the changes that we we see um, may be difficult to attribute to global warming because it may be counterintuitive um but yeah so th those are certain s significant dangers and risks for us as well as the, the as you mentioned the flooding risk as well really really re you know I, I released um something on on one of my channels um earlier about the the model and you look at britain and you know it's the highlands of scotland and and the middle part of the of britain that's essentially left if you yeah. get rid of even just the Greenland ice sheet, eight metres of, of sea level rise. Yeah. Um, you know, so those things are critical for us to keep thinking about and, and understanding. Yeah, well, and uh, here in Stroud, we're, we're rather high up. 
you know so so we are we are going to be relatively unaffected in the in the in the short term by by such things but of course it will impact us because everybody from the lower lands will be coming here won't they you know mm -hmm. and, and the thing is i i did suggest to the peace and justice project which is uh, the ones Jeremy Corbyn's group that's doing uh, an alternative COP26. I did suggest that we set up a refugee climate camp, a climate refugee camp outside of COP26, and or because there's no transport up there for a start, well, hardly any transport. One, due to the unions striking for better pay and conditions for, for public transport, but also mm -hmm. um, there's a serious police presence around there very serious police presence and they've been trained they're armed and they've got dogs and they're trained to, to to remove us so getting our voices heard above that is going to be very difficult and the mainstream media don't report anything of course unless it tallies with the corporate narrative of of the greedies we call them we don't call them the elite anymore because that's giving, showing them deference We'll call them the greedies, those who've who've stripped and raped our land and mm. raped the entire world. So to get on to your actual workshop at the Festival of Resistance, I hear you blew bubbles. And uh, I asked you about that and you said, well, that, that was just really to an icebreaker. So yeah. the audience. So what what are you what did you take from your your chance to work with people who would not ordinarily perhaps agree with any of your actions or or, or um, achievements that you wanted to make mm. well I mean you know it was it the one of the major things that I, I took away from the opportunity was the, a, a fantastic set of of um, micro discussions framed around the, uh, climate science denial around the climate science conversation um, and also then just general questions uh, and and you know the the really really significant thing that i i learned um was what what are people's opinions we had two completely different sets of audiences on on both days um and the sets of questions were were really really helpful for me um, because i'm going to be interviewing scientists over the next couple of weeks for cop26.tv um and the 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 questions that came up, I can pose, and and we can then use use that to help build understanding and and make sure that people realise what we're trying to achieve. Because the ultimate thing is, yes, we're inconveniencing you, short term, but long term, we're trying to prevent something not just inconvenient but essentially ecocide. And, yeah, life changing, uh, absolutely life changing. And I I apologise to Extinction Rebellion of which I am a founder member. I should have mentioned COP26 TV and Vlad and the team, the entire team that are going to be broadcasting uh, for the entire 12, is it 12 days or 12 hour days? Right. So 12 hour days, so effectively 144 hours of, of content and you know some amazing interviews and, and just like the voices from the, from, from the global south as well, um, because that, they sometimes don't, they don't quite get, get the voice that they need. Um. Yeah, well, we, we've, uh, as at Extinction Rebellion uh, head office, so to speak, in a press, in, a, in the press arena, we've, we've been trying on alternative media and independent media. We do 
we have some really fantastic press outlets that uh, that carry the stories that Extinction Rebellion bring us. So we are trying to do as much as we can. And I can't tell you enough people out there watching this video, uh, please look at look at COP26 TV and we'll put the links into everything um, because without without us all learning about our situation and and please try and ignore just 99 if not 100 percent of what mainstream media are telling you because they're not serving your interests they're serving corporate interests they're serving mm. other people's interests the, the people who who already destroyed our world they're they're serving their interests not ours a, a massive healthy level of, of skepticism for 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 every every piece of information i mean that's that's that was one of the other major kind of things that we discussed in in the workshop was was being skeptical um because that's 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 the way of the scientist the way of the scientist is to 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 try and understand and and criticize to the point where the information does not fall away uh, and the, and the truth is left yeah and it it, it changed you've got you've got to be open to changing your mind haven't you because we, we all have preconceived ideas and mm -hmm. they're, they're bred into us from birth by our exposure to our neighbours, our friends, our relatives, and they're all exposed to mainstream media the same as us. So we've built up this narrative that we are a cosy little community, us human beings, and that's not actually the case. You know, we, we, we think nothing of going out and hunting foxes. We think nothing of going out and taking trophies as hunters uh, and mm -hmm. killing, killing to extinction other species on this planet, which, you know, are integral to our well-being. We discover after they're gone. You know, it's like like the bees, you know, once the bees are gone and they've stopped, you know, a friend of mine, Simon B., from Extinction Rebellion Stroud. He's a forager and uh, he, he took a camera team from mainstream media out with him one day. And he said, he was stood in the middle of nowhere and he said, can listen to this? And they stopped and listened, rolled the camera and listened. And they said, well, what are we supposed to be listening to? And he said, well, that's it. There's nothing, no insects, no, no, no bees. No, no pollinators, no, no, nothing, mm. nothing. Yeah. And that is what we're facing, isn't it? Complete ecocide. We, how will we grow crops if we've got we've got plenty of water coming, but we've got no sun, we've got mm -hmm. um, cold weather coming, and we've got no insects. So we've we've killed them all with our pesticides, perhaps. Yeah, and and you know, then then you ending up talking about food security and it's, it's a very very important thing that people take for granted and i think sometimes people are reminded when they see like the shelves being empty you know and that's that's just a minor event of maybe lorries being trapped at a, at a border well you know what happens if all the crops fail because you know it's too cold or you know the climate has changed so significantly that that you know that they're unable to grow anymore you know these yeah. these are things that we are facing and and our, and our goal of 2050 is so deeply inappropriate that we kind of need to shift our expectations and our actions much and, sooner 
and also um, we're told by the narrative coming from mainstream media and our government and the world's governments that um, it's something that we have to do ourselves. You know, so while it is absolutely essential that we stop consuming plastic wrapped goods, it is absolutely essential that we try and become not just so dependent on meat. Um, <clears throat> it is vital that we do these things as as people that, that want to make our contribution, but also that the corporate entities, you know, like Shell, like um, BP, you know, all these people that have the, that have raped and pillaged our world in pursuit of wealth, because that's all it comes down to is that they they want more money so that they can live a high. Look at all these Jeff Bezos and everybody who who and Virgin Richard Branson went mm -hmm. went to space. Why did they go to space? How could they afford to go to space? Actually, you and I were paying for them to go to space, actually, mm -hmm. because we paid our Sky subscription or our Virgin subscription or oh, our Amazon. order from Amazon. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's it's absolutely essential that we and, and if people are smeared as well, that's another point that I wanted to get across was that um, we, we in the in the press in the independent media, we look, when we get a story, we look for who can confirm that or who can talk knowledgeably on that subject. So every time we, we go to a scientist for confirmation of this concept or story that we want to put out, um, they say, oh, actually, you've got it completely around the wrong way. It's this. And so we put the alternative story out, which is actually the truth, and then we get shut down um, on Facebook and social media because it said that um, Facebook, for example, will say, I'm sorry, but that person is, is not on our list of uh, knowledgeable, accepted subject, you know, accepted knowledgeable people on this subject. So they've been smeared and shut down. Now, have you found that a lot with XR scientists? Um, so a lot of not all but a lot of them are um scientists at university currently researching um you know so we have a we have a, a very good sort of knowledge base um of of people that that are are within that um and you know there are people that, that do get shut down but we also then have that that level of of knowledge base as well which is why i, I really enjoy working with and around them because if some of the smartest people in the room are saying hang on maybe we need to be thinking about this yeah why would you go against that why would you think that you know that they've yeah. looked at all of this for years and years and years and and to, to provide an alternative narrative against that well there has to be an agenda there um but the ultimate goal is yeah yeah but Smearing is a is a is a, a tactic used um, in in climate science denial all of the time. You know, even even practicing professors at, at universities that have you know even even won Nobel prizes and things like that. You know, so they have credentials from from the, you know peer reviewed, very very absolutely highly verified. regarded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and they are and they are so. Please, people at home. Um, be very aware 
that you're being fed a narrative. You're always being fed a narrative. And uh, really, if someone's being smeared and lied or if someone's being questioned, their, their knowledge is being questioned and their, their standing in our communities are being questioned, you've got to ask yourselves why. And mm -hmm. at this point, I'd like to uh, introduce Steve Gower from Insulate Britain. And uh, first of all, we'd like to play a, play a short video. And uh, we would like Chris to stay with us because we're going to be talking about, it's, it's all related, and we're going to be talking about Steve's other um, campaign to help the homeless. So um, please, could you play that video now, Gaz? There is no other thing that we can do. We've tried everything. And so we're asking the government to insulate homes as a serious first step towards doing something about the climate emergency, which is destroying humanity and all other living beings. Well, there you have it. This lady was the head of housing uh, at a London council. We won't name it. And um, she, is, she has spent a lot of years <coughs> working within this capitalist system and working in housing exactly so tell us a little bit steve if you can about insulate britain and what it's hoping to achieve and why it's hoping to achieve it hi right, thanks lizzie for having me on on the program today um insulate britain um we've basically got two demands uh one is to insulate all the houses all the council houses and all the social housing within the country by 2025 and to retrofit the rest all the housing stock by 2030. Reason being um, that 15% of our CO2 emissions actually come from the home. And what other people may not realise is that where I'm sitting now is my one bedroom flat, which is, a, I think it was built in 1810, um, uh, actually emits more of the energy that keeps me warm and puts the lights on in my property emits more CO2 than a family car. So I know a lot of people are saying, well, we've got to get the cars off the road and what have you, but the actual bigger polluter is obviously there's more homes than there are cars. And uh, yeah, we're trying to make people aware of the fact that uh, of this issue, especially just before COP20, uh, COP26, which is happening in the next couple of days or weeks. So that's that's basically it. We've been, we're waiting for a meaningful statement from uh, our Prime Minister to say that he will abide by that promise. Um, it's not the first time we, the government of the day have, have, have promised us insulation back in 2001, uh, when the government of, of the day uh, promised to do exactly the same thing as in insulate all the council and social housing properties because uh, they, they realised that there was a, up to, at that point, there were 50,000 people dying each year in their home through the cold. Um, nothing has happened in them 20 years. In fact, I think we're going slightly backwards. Um, and uh, we're just saying we don't want words, we don't want money, we want boots on the ground. And when he gives a meaningful statement that he'll provide the money and provide the boots on the ground and dates when it be completed, then we'll be off the streets. So, and it'll mean, it'll mean making thousands tens of thousands of meaningful jobs I, I was talking to a bit i don't know i don't want to exact 
uh, go on a bit, but uh, I was on one of the first, I was on the first block and the first confrontation I had or, 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 or talk I was having with, with uh, the public were, were actual builders. And I was trying to get through to them that, that regardless of what they're, you know, they're hardworking people, but they're making properties today that are not fit for purpose. And that is still the case even now, a couple of days after the, the government have promised uh, a warm weather um, paper statement. Um, they are still not admitting that the properties that are being built today are already out of date. If the, the housing standards with regard to the environmental issues haven't changed in about 100, 115, 20, 50, 150 years. So this house that I'm sat in now, 1810, probably the standards of it hasn't changed a lot up until today. That can't be right. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to buy a gramophone record today when we got iPads and God knows what, you know, that's what we're building. We're building gramophone records. All right. This is the 21st century. That's it, Lizzie, in a nutshell, I think. Well, thank you very much. Well, you came from, uh, by the way, everybody, uh, Steve won an award, uh, the We Are One Award for his services to the community in respect of advocating for the homeless in our area. Steve lives up the road from me. And um, it came from that, didn't it? This, this joining with Insulate Britain, because Steve is a socialist through and through. Um, hardcore Labour Party member until, of course, the witch hunt, um, which most of us fell foul of. So most of us are, are divorced from the Labour Party, if not if not completely um, abused by it. Um, yeah, <coughs> good point, Lizzie, and, and yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, it was a shock. It was a, a welcome shock. It was three weeks or four weeks into the Insulate Britain campaign. I actually had time off to to, to arrive at the, at the, at the ceremony, and uh, yeah, fortunately, took away the, the nomination. Uh, a little bit of karma was the fact that there were Labour Party members in the audience um, who aren't who quite delighted in getting rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that. Right? You can say what you want. No comment. But it was it was a lot of karma. I come away with that, yeah. Well, congrats, Steve. Thank yeah, you. Well, Thank you. Uh, um, yeah, it, I, I don't do it for the for the awards or anything. I've been doing it as a volunteer for about four or five years since I was homeless, um, and I advocate for the homeless. And I see every day or most days that the poverty that's in not only my my town but Stroud and and, and Cheltenham. Um, and I knew about XR because obviously they were, like you say, Lizzie, they were from just up the road from me in Stroud and they often come to the county council uh, doing their thing. But uh, they knew me. Available seat. <laughs> yeah, they knew I was going to talk about uh, homeless issues. They say, Steve, you go on first and we'll go on after you. So it was all right. And But when I, I got to say that it was, it's always close to my heart, you know, the environment, but as soon as Insulate Britain come on, come together, and the fact that it was mentioning and, and campaigning on behalf of the most vulnerable, which are the ones that are in fuel poverty, and that includes food poverty as well, it, mm -hmm. it, it hit the button for me personally, and I and I just leapt at the chance. And even though I'm I'm, I'm currently a, I'm, I'm 
I'm a volunteer advocate and I'm unemployed. With the unemployment and the poverty that I'm living in, and that's including fuel poverty, it gives me a sense of independence so I can actually challenge. And it's a shame that we're in a country that's supposed to be democratic and in the 21st century as well, the individuals that want to speak the truth and see what they say on the streets as well as other social issues can't because of the, the system that we're in today. Um, yeah, they'll so be shut I'm, down. They'll lose their they'll job. Be shut down. They'll be shut down. I can be shut down, and I probably will be, or possibly will be, after this campaign. I've got loads <laughs> well, of possibly after this show, Steve. <laughs> possibly after this show, yeah. Um, but I'm willing to take that. I'm willing to step, to take that extra step forward and be counted. Because if I don't, I don't know. Well, not me personally, but I mean, because there's hundreds of us on IB, um, and. If we don't do something now, nothing else will change. And, and this is the moment now to, to stand up and be counted. Um, some of the sacrifices, especially the financial sacrifices that people are, are taking for IP. You mentioned the individual there that was a, a CEO. We've got doctors, we've got uh, nurses, I think. We've got a load of professional in, individuals and the young as well. They're just coming through in life. You know what I mean? Want to make a mark, but just can't get on on the ladder of, 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 of living and what future have they got in 30, 20 or 30 years, if nothing changes, there is no future for them. They can see that some of them have even decided not to have children. What's that about? How on earth can we have a civilization in this country in the 21st century where they don't want to have children? Yeah. It's, it's sickening, awful. That Boris Johnson, and I, and I got to say it, and I think it, I think a lot of people may agree with me or may not. I don't care. He's the traitor of this country. He's the one that should be having all these high court injunction notes on him. It's his responsibility to look. He's got one job to look after us, and he's doing absolutely abysmal. Well, Lizzie, sorry, yes, yeah, Lizzie, go on. Well, no, you, I really wanted you to speak, so I would like it if, if you want to finish your sentence. I apologise for butting in. Yeah, he, he should be the one with the high court judgments. He's got one job to do, and that's to look after us. If he can't do it, then get somebody else. And in fact, I don't think there is anything in that parliament that, that can do it. So that brings, begs the question, what else can you do? But it, it, it's a question, serious question we all have to think about because this they're a liability. The government are definitely. And, and what comes behind them, God knows what's going to happen. Um, and I think that's why I was so privileged and glad that Chris offered, asked me to, to come. I've known Chris for about three or four years when he was actually... Chris Williamson, uh, you're talking yeah, Chris about... Williamson. Chris, <laughs> Williamson. Oh, sorry, yeah. Chris Williamson, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I've known Chris for about three or four years, I think. And he was in solidarity with me then about the, the homeless issue, bless him. And, and then since we know what's happened until then, but he's still been in contact with me and I've been in contact with him. And I'm so glad to have met uh, similar-minded people that can actually talk about a subject that they got in common and the home is a common ground that everyone can talk about there's no differentiating home and a home is a safe should be a safe refuge in fact after the second world war that there was a, a, a in the, within the human rights act it stated in there that everyone is entitled to live in a safe and warm environment within their own home 
That's not me saying that. That's what they come to realise, the League of Nations, after the Second World War, after all the sacrifices, that the home was one of the most important foundations for family and for, for well-being. Yet it's being dismantled stupendously ever since that quote was ever made. We've had re reductions in, in council houses, especially in the last 10 years, reductions in council houses, social housing, and God knows what, and poverty-stricken people. This is a human right. Forget about the class. There's only one, two classes. There's the ruling class and the rest of us. All right. Forget about the working class and, and whatever middle class and, and lower class, what have you. It's a human right. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's a human right that everyone should have a home and everyone should remember that. We're not asking for something that we don't, we're not entitled to and what our fathers or forefathers fought for in a massive war, obviously, that was... But we got something coming even worse now with the in, yeah. In, in, in well, Chris, the Chris worked with um, Street Kitchens, and uh, I've worked with Streets Kitchen as well. Um, years ago, when he first started, um, we put we put together a march with the homeless, and uh, we walked around London trying to make people aware that. Um, that how many thousands of people are sleeping on the streets in our in our mm -hmm. capital city? Well, there's there's more there's more empty buildings than there are homeless people, exactly. and that's that's just mad. That's yeah. that's, that's insane. It is. I, yes. I, I, was, I was going around the streets uh, just before the because I I've done two I've campaigned on two general elections, and I was going around the streets and uh, I talking to the homeless there. And, and the word around 2017 was all, all the foreigners have got our homes and all that. I was saying, no, exactly. No, no, not exactly that. Do you know it's many not homes that there? at all, really. That no, is a narrative. I, them. I, said, I done a freedom of information request, Lizzie. And uh, it was, I think, uh, there was 5,500 properties in Gloucestershire. And there was what? At that time, the, the council was saying 23 or 24 people were homeless. Whatever the real figure was, and I can come to that later on if you wish, um, it would certainly outnumber the the amount of people that were on the street. And once they realised that, they were saying, "What?" I was saying, "Yeah." So it's not the foreigners. We could we could house all the all the refugees and God knows what as we wanted, and yourselves, and your parents, and even your children and God knows what. There are multitudes of, of empty properties, not only in Gloucester but in the country, as Chris just mentioned. Now, I think there's about over two hundred thousand empty properties. And the last count on the homeless or threatened homeless was 90,000. I'm not a mathematician, but I can work that bit out. So no. that's a myth. Yeah. Well, there we go. And also it feeds into the Insulate Britain's campaign and its objectives feed into the, the, the story that um, people, people say, well, <clears throat> we need to heat our homes, so we need to build more nuclear. We need to, we need more fossil fuels so that we can heat these homes. No, actually, you're you're at the crux of this. If we don't insulate our homes, then we've got heat escaping through through the building, through the building itself. So yeah, it doesn't exactly, matter exactly, how yeah. many thousands of pounds you spend a year on your heating. It, what's the point if it's all just going out of the walls or out of the windows or out of the roof? Yeah. Since I started this campaign, not started, but since I joined this campaign, uh, we got uh, builders and architects and what have you within this 
the context of, of the environmental side of it. We have got the capability now and people are living in properties where they can reduce your heating bills to almost zero. Okay, that means not even to, having to turn the heating on. You don't even need the heating because it will enclose all the all the heat that you need at a comfortable comfortable temperature. Which means that the likes of wind and solar is an advantage, and you can get probably an excess of electricity. What they're offering now, if I can go back to like last week um, or a couple of weeks ago, with what Boris is offering, it. it it's only going up to a capacity of uh, a, uh, an environmental um, rating of, of C. We got properties that, like I just mentioned, that are A plus plus. That's what we want, Boris. That's what the government should be giving us, giving us, and I mean that, giving us to all the the, the social houses and all the council houses in this country, and then the private sector will have an. A, We'll have an abundance of materials that'll be a lot cheaper then, and if and the private sector can have a, a near enough cost price, I don't know, but a lot cheaper than what it is at the moment. The technology's there already, so we're not living in low low cuckoo land. The technology's there; it's just the will isn't, and that yeah, will the, has got the political will isn't there. And um, yeah. I think the 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 thing that you're talking about is Boris Johnson or the government. Uh, saying that they're going to provide air source and ground source heat pumps yeah. uh, to properties. That's, yeah, that's great. If you haven't insulated your house, if you haven't insulated <laughs> your house, it'll cost you a fortune. It'll cost you yes. more than gas. Well, <laughs> so, that, actually, it, it won't um, because I have air source heat pump technology, have had it for ages. Um, mainly, I was going to have solar panels as well, but I live in the middle of a forest. So uh, I, I didn't. I don't get much natural light. So um, it's uh, solar panels were were deemed valueless, worthless for me. But um, you know, the, like you say, if if your house <coughs> if your house isn't insulated, and uh, my house actually I did insulate it in two thousand and one when the government offered it, and um, some guys came out and drilled holes in the walls stone stone building uh drilled holes in the walls and pumped in all these little tiny polystyrene bubbles tiny little minuscule polystyrene bubbles so that was 20 20 years ago and um they plugged the holes after they'd finished pumping and pumping and pumping all this plastic polystyrene into my home and they plugged the holes and went off and um, when I opened one of my doors uh, to to a back room, they'd forgotten about the fact that they'd uh, they'd installed air vents in the walls. You know, the the builders the builders had built air bricks into the into the walls. So um, I was I couldn't get the door open, and I thought, well, why can't I get the door open? When I pushed. I found that the entire room was filled with these polystyrene bubbles. So. <laughs> So there was no there was no insulation in the walls whatsoever. They're, they're still coming out now, 20 years later, um, underneath the bath, you know, the panel behind your bath. Yeah. Uh, underneath there is all the plumbing, which has <clears> got <throat> holes through the wall for the drains and, and for the access to the water pipes. 
so so underneath my my bath is now lovely and insulated <laughs> because wow. it's full of full of these polystyrene bubbles so well, you know well, just the government saying that they're going to initiate these programs doesn't actually mean that it's going to benefit anyone it all the only people yeah. it benefited was the company they employed to to do this it was with a grant you know the the government grant um the the company that they employed to go and do this do this project and the the even the people working installing the bubbles weren't qualified to do that job they didn't know the the building type they didn't have the knowledge that they should have had so it was all a complete waste of everybody's time and money lizzie lizzie at this current trajectory of what boris has offered on the table with a couple of billion pounds for insulating the homes you might be uh interested to know that um at that current rate of money that he's financed oh yes that was what I wanted and, and, and we know about. that it, this is a climate climate crisis and we've got to do something within the next three to five years as what sir david king mentioned um well with boris's um purse strings it'll the next time you'll see somebody coming at your door offering you some insulation will be in the next 540 years yeah so don't I, hold your breath i couldn't believe that when you were telling us that uh, 540 years it will take for the 2001 rollout of insulation to actually happen well, this is boris's <laughs> boris's contract the one he's he's recently put on the table now so it's got the 2001 went went in 2011 because then what they realized is that, that the government of the day which was then a coalition government thought must have thought whoa we can't do this it's impossible or we can't do it because it's going to cost too much or whatever excuses they wanted to say so they give us a payment so they what they've done was give you the warm weather pay, the war the cold weather payment cold weather cold, payment for cold people weather on... payment, 140 pound it hasn't changed in 10 years it's still 140 pound so they were advocating for fossil fuels to be pumping out the, the co2 in, into the into the in the atmosphere going into your home and seeping out of your walls and the cavities and windows and god knows what and, and rent, then and as we you, are today yeah and then giving and the you 140 pounds if you're unable to work or if you're on benefits that you a lot of people yeah. most people on benefits are actually in work it's just that they don't earn enough to pay the bills so you get this cold weather payment of 140 pounds from the government and you have to pay that 140 pounds plus a hell of a lot more to the uh, to the elite global corporation that is that owns our nuclear or fossil fuel fed generators of electricity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, let's bring you back in. Um, what do you think of all this? You know, as as related to the XR scientists. <laughs> well, sure just just from my just from my um, perspective as a as a science teacher, you know the the key thing that there is a section where you actually teach about insulation and 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 how critical it is to just uh, you know even just reduction of bills. If we forget about the climate crisis and just try and communicate on a human to human level, you know some human beings have limited resources, and so where their resources are uh, stretched. And they may get even more stretched because fuel prices are rising. Um, you know, there was a there was an announcement when when EDF sort of took over the the um, the energy um, that uh, all, all of 
the whole of Britain's bills will, will be going up. Um, you know, and so so the the, the most vulnerable are going to keep relentlessly get getting hit by these price increases, and so therefore, um, insulation is is absolutely critical as a as a, a, a component for dealing with the climate crisis. Obviously, as you're absolutely spot on in saying, well, there's no point in building all of these um, the, these you know um, different solutions to powering homes and, and heating homes if ultimately your the level of efficiency of these homes the yeah yes. they're, they're, yeah and, and you're just wasting all of that energy when actually you increase the the fit building efficiency and and, and reten retention of heat you're going to save lives um and ultimately then take a step towards dealing with the the climate crisis which which is what we all should be doing every component of society every human being within society needs to be doing that yeah yeah right well so steve when you were talking at the panel um at the workshop at the festival of resistance how did you find your audience did you find them accepting of what you were saying or arguing with you or questioning I think they were surprised with some of the, and it was great to have a scientist with me as well to back me up, because uh, I'm not a scientist, I'm just a consumer, and I'm worried about the future of my my, my family and myself and my the, the people that I advocate for. Um, yeah, it was similar sort of questioning regarding uh, the tactics that we were using, as in through IB, and why were we doing it that way? Um, the The actual yeah, why are you making ordinary people suffer trying to get yeah. to work and you're blocking the road? Exactly, yeah. Um, they seem to be appreciate that there was a climate crisis and something around the corner and they could see that there was food and fuel poverty. Um, but they couldn't quite get the grab. They could. Uh, they were just sceptical about what we were doing. And what I, all I can say is, is that I've already mentioned about 2001, so there's been campaigns for years, over the last 20, 30 years, regarding uh, fuel poverty and climate. Um, and there's been petitions, I've done petitions, I've talked to my MP countless times regarding poverty and what have you, and housing. Um, I've been on marches, not only for um, uh, poverty, but also for... Honda, I'm a, I'm a, a community member, a Unite community member. So I've done the industrial side of it as well, sticking up for, for the, the Honda workers, uh, nurses, uh, the, the doctors as well, um, a number of and hospitals, a number, a number of issues. And, and we still got the problem um, yeah. and problems. Um, this is the only direct, this is obviously my first uh, non-violent direct action I've participated in. And possibly it's the only one that's happened in the country in the 21st century. I, 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 I might be told different on that. It's got to the stage where we've done everything that we can or, or can do within the remit of demonstration and campaign. And what, all we can do now is the nonviolent direct action. That's what it's got to, just to get the, the government to listen. And, and the well, reason, yeah. Are they listening, though? Because um, um, all they do is they pull out their uh, their narrative people, like um, one of the Gallagher brothers, wasn't it? Who uh, who went on went on social media and tweeted you, didn't he? There we go, Noel Gallagher well, on Insulate Britain. Why can't they be legally run over? 
or at least thrown off a bridge. It's effing middle-class white idiots with F all better to do. It's middle-class white F all effing idiots who need a kick in the balls and then thrown in the Thames. They're just D. I don't know about what the, what the D stands for. But doesn't that tell you that, um, you know, you're working class as they come, Steve? Uh, Chris, I don't know about you, your background, but myself. I'm My parents old. both came from council, council states. Um, you, you, know, I... you know, if you want to talk about class and, and Gallagher, where did he come from? For God's sake, the roughest area in Manchester, wasn't it? <laughs> I assume so. Yeah, I used. Isn't I, that I the whole basis of his songs? I actually tweeted um, with regards to that. I hadn't. I hadn't. I'd only seen that caption up on on social media, and I and I tweet. I was just aghast that somebody that started um, life in a council that should state, be on our side. Your yeah, that should be on our side. Just turned his back, and and uh, I mentioned that on the in the tweet. I think. No, we apologise for obviously any delays that you may have had or, or the people that are unfortunate enough to have been in the jams. But please go home and, and sit in the mirror and have a look and just look at yourself and say, but for the grace of God, you know, that could have been him, as in, yeah. in the predicament that myself and others, are, are, seven million, may I state, are in, living in fuel and food poverty. Um, so, yeah, um, bit of a shock. Um, obviously, he's got nothing to do during the course of the day and uh or he's been held up while he i don't know goes and visits somebody or, or wherever you like i'm gonna no, he went everywhere by helicopter these days anyway <laughs> there you go. Mm. i wouldn't know um a bit of a sidetrack but the, the bigger picture is the fact that people are standing up for the, their lot for their lot for other people's lives some of them are, are are like i said professionals but they're putting their houses and their financial status on the line here yeah. i'm putting my, my my liberty at line because i haven't got no collateral or capital but i'm willing to do that and they're willing to do that for the greater good and for yeah, someone from a, from, a, from a council estate who who has seen it all right and then just turned his back on it and others because it's not just him I, I dare say how they can sleep at night i don't know um so yeah it's it's what it is lizzie and uh i'm not going to lose no sleep over him uh, or, or any of the others either because i know that what i can what i'm doing will hopefully make a slight bit of difference to the, not only the ones that are vulnerable today but the ones that haven't even been born yet all right they haven't got an, an advocate all right they ain't, they ain't even created yet, but they're going to come into a world that could be absolutely awful and not one that I I was born into, which was with a council house, guaranteed, and a doctor, and the rest that comes with it. So, yeah, let it be what it, it is. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to lose no sleep over no. Well, before we show the closing video, uh, well, the closing videos, we're going to show you uh, a video from the XR scientists about the education of our children going to a museum for the first time and uh, being fed the lies from the likes of Shell and BP about how they, they you know, they're greenwashing the situation and pretending that they're these uh, people who care uh, about these children's lives when actually they, they don't care at all. And we're also you... going to be showing a song 
um, that one of your colleagues wrote and performed on video <coughs> to Gallagher. I can't remember which one it is. Is it Noel or Liam? Anyway, no, uh, no. But can I say, Lizzie, before you before we finish, is that they they have admitted that there there was eight and a half thousand people died through the cold two years ago in 2019. That was the last figure taken. All right, don't take them figures for granted because they're always below. They're very conservative at, uh, numbers. We're talking tens of thousands of people that won't be here this time next year. Tens yeah. of thousands of vulnerable individuals not dying on uh, not dying because they got. Um, you know, a, a serious illness, which does happen, obviously, or a car accident or anything like that. We're talking about people that are dying in their homes, their homes, which is supposed to be a safe haven, and they're dying through the cold. Just remember that. Thank well, you. and then you, then when you think about Chris's, uh, the the fact that all these people, we're, we're going to be experiencing more cold, most likely in this country. Yeah. I think that we will be getting colder and we will be getting wetter and we'll have floods and most of the land will be unusable because of these uh, floodplains uh, we've been building on for 40 years. We've made no uh, attempt at uh, a collateral damage even for, for the fact that we've built on floodplains. We haven't provided basic sewerage services. Look at today, was it, or yesterday, the other day, um, the Tories talked out uh, a, a motion to to prevent water companies private water companies from pumping sewage directly into our water you know mm. albeit um and and you can argue that i mean years ago in the 40s after the second world war um people would use and, and you still get sewage pumped over fields because it is uh, make it does make soil fertile but also it killed an entire island up, up off of Scotland. Mm. Uh, there are all sorts of issues with regard to obviously sewage runoff, um, with yeah. regard to eutrophication and then essentially just vast swathes of, of, of water courses and things like that can be either poisoned or, or you know, essentially drained of life. Um, yeah. So, have we mentioned... And don't forget, we we, we um, import over fifty percent of our food. So if you think there's shortages now because of the Brexit and God knows what and lorry drivers, you haven't seen anything yet until in the next thirty or forty years through crop famines. And Chris will hopefully back me up on this. And what's what's around the corner there? There won't be no food on the shelves, and that will bring on a lot of other issues, social issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. It's food scarcity and food food insecurity is definitely something that that we need to be taking in in, in mind again, human to human. You know, the reality is that you know, oh well, I won't be able to get this or or that, or actually any of this stuff. Oh, what, what am I going to eat now then? Um, you know, that those questions need to be asked before that happens, not yeah. after after the fact. Yeah. Well, I know that um, a few years ago um, we we were looking at this this actual subject of um, people eating insects. So we would breed um, locusts and um, all sorts of uh, little worms and grubs that we wouldn't ordinarily take a second look at, and forming them into some kind of burger so that they would be acceptable. Uh, as a substitute for meat and and for this for the fact that we're not going to have these sort of uh, flour 
are we going to be able to produce flour? Because are we going to be able to grow wheat, corn? Well, you know, all, and and obviously reducing our rice consumption as well, because rice is a big methane producer and also a massive greenhouse gas producer. So, so shifting some level of uh, thought process into, into less polluting food crops um, is going to be quite significant for, for everyone across the world. It is. And, and just on the, on, the, on the subject of insects, and now less than, less than three years after, after huge, a huge amount of government programme of trying to get everybody into the idea that they may be eating insects, it turned into that um, we haven't got any insects left. So in this country, we've got hardly any insects left. So how are we going to eat insects <laughs> if there aren't many? So we, we, you know, we really aren't putting any thought into how we're going to deal with the situation we're in now, let alone the situation we're going to be in. Hmm. But so we'll pay, we'll play to the audience watching and listening. We'll play those videos now and um, thank you. I would just like to say thank you so much for, for bringing your, your discussion to the table, both Chris Jones from XR Scientists and Steve Gower from Insulate Britain. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, guys. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm a data science researcher. I love science and I love the Science Museum. I came here as a child and I've, I've brought my own children here. We come to the museum to hear stories, to learn about science and innovation and to be inspired. Stories are how we as humans influence and teach and inspire. We're in a climate and ecological emergency, so it matters who gets to tell the story. When you let Shell sponsor an exhibition like this, you allow them to co-opt the story of scientists and climate experts who've contributed and make them their own. You allow the visitors to the museum to leave believing that Shell are a benevolent benefactor in the story of the climate emergency. But Shell aren't. They aren't interested in finding solutions. Shell are not looking to take the radical steps needed to limit global heating. Their model is one of extractivism and profit, of exploitation and of green smoke and mirrors. They are the problem, not the solution. And their sponsorship of this museum is an insult to the future of every child who walks through those doors to learn, maybe for the first time, about the amazing things that we can achieve as humans through science. This is to Mr Noel Gallagher who thinks I and my friends should be run over by cars and thrown into the river. I want to protect all of our children. Please read the Chapman House report. Have a look what is really going on in the world. We have been sold out and our kids need us to grow up, not incite violence on each other. And now he's doing all we can to stop this madness. No, you're a dickhead. You bought the media's lies and they're twisted. Yep, I've done things I never expected. Because there's no time. No, I'm a mother. So please don't expect me to swallow. Our government's abuse, no, don't bother. Our kids aren't fine. And we want you to know that we've been sold out now. 
Pot's a waste of time. A real waste of time. We just want you to see that we've been sold out. 1.5. It's a lie. It's a huge lie. I knew that back in the current pot. There's lots of lies. Who to believe? Not Murdoch or all companies. There's lots of things Boris can do. So we're in resistance. If nobody does, we're screwed. We're fighting violence. We're helping to silence the science. The bad guys love your compliance. Stop taking it up the... Seriously. Right, so David King has said, next three to four years will determine the future of humanity. The choices we make now count. The Environment Agency says adapt or die. I always prefer blur anyway. Rage Rover Tank Girl, come on, let's chat. Insulate Britain. Thank you.